Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Thursday, the 30th of September. India recorded over 23,000 cases of COVID-19 and 311 linked deaths in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally now stands at over 3 crore 37 lakh, while the death toll stands at over 4 lakh 48,000. These official figures, however, have widely been reported to be undercounts. Over 88 crore COVID vaccine doses have been administered in the country so far, of which more than 65 lakh were administered yesterday. The World Health Organization said yesterday that it will decide in October on Bharat Biotech's application seeking that Covaxin be listed for emergency use. The organization said that the current status of Covaxin's assessment was ongoing. In Mumbai, at least 30 students of the civic-run King Edward Memorial Hospital have tested positive for COVID-19. 28 of these students had been vaccinated fully against COVID-19. Civic officials said that 23 of the infected students are second-year MBBS students, while seven are in their first year. Globally, COVID-19 has infected over 233.2 million people so far, claiming the lives of more than 4.77 million. The Supreme Court today criticised the blockade of highways connecting Delhi to its neighbouring states by the farmers protesting against the central government's contentious farm laws, asking how highways could be blocked perpetually. The Apex Court also added that it was the duty of the executive to implement a law laid down by the court. Last month, the Supreme Court had directed the centre and the administrations of the states neighbouring the capital to find a solution to road blockades on Delhi's borders owing to the farmer protests. It had said that farmers have the right to protest, but at designated places, and that the protest should not affect the flow of traffic. Today, while hearing a petition by a Noida resident seeking the removal of continuing blockades, the bench headed by Justices S.K. Kaul and M.M. Sundresh asked the centre what it was doing to open up the highways. It said, and I quote, The redressal of problems can be through judicial forum, agitation or through parliamentary debates. But how can the highways be blocked and this is happening perpetually? Where does this end? Unquote. Justice M.M. M. Sundresh said that if the court directs something on the issue, it would be said that the judiciary has encroached upon the executive's territory. Solicitor General Tushar Mehta responded, saying that if the court is invited to give directions in the matter, it would not be considered encroachment. The court also allowed the central government to file a formal application so that farmers can be made party to the plea seeking the opening of the blockade at the Delhi-Uttar Pradesh border. The matter was adjourned till October 4. Speaking of the farmer protests, I'd like to recommend you two pieces to read on newslaundry.com. The first is my report analysing how the media covered the Bharat Bandh organised by farmers on completion of 10 months of their protests. The Bandh became an occasion for anchors sitting in TV news studios to stand in solidarity, uniting to broadcast identical reports on the protest. These reports focused on two narratives how the common man or Amadni was held ransom by the farmers, and how politics had either hijacked the protests or the 10 months had led to the farmers wanting to enter politics themselves. So similar were their reports that it almost seemed like they all received the same memo. To know how all of them hopped on the same bandwagon, read my report on newslaundry.com. It is titled, Conspiracy Theories and Sympathy for Common Man. News channels got the same memo on Bharat Bandh. Second, in her latest opinion piece on our website, titled See Nothing, Say Nothing, 
how India's well-behaved media approaches protests and civil movements, Kalpana Sharma writes, Media has the power to kill civil society movements by simply ignoring them. It can distort what they stand for. And sections of the media do this all too frequently. But even this is better than blacking them out altogether. After the farmer's Bharat Band, she writes, all we read or heard was news about traffic jams, inconvenience to urban commuters, and about the public held to ransom. Why did the farmers call for a band? Did people realize that the day marked a year since the government passed the three contentious farm laws? Why was the government not listening to their demands? Sections of the media asked none of this. But here at News Laundry, our team of dedicated reporters has been striving to cover the farmer protests from the ground since they began. Discontented with the mainstream media, the farmers poured their hearts out to News Laundry and other such independent media platforms. Case in point, go to newslaundry.com and type farmer protests in the search bar to check out our extensive coverage of the protest. The choice is then yours, about the kind of news you prefer. And if you like what we do, as a 100% ad-free independent news platform, then support us by clicking that red subscribe button on newslaundry.com. Subscriptions start as low as 300 rupees a month. A three-member fact-finding committee will be formed by the Press Council of India to investigate allegations of Kashmiri journalists being harassed and intimidated, The Wire reported. This came after the People's Democratic Party president and former Jammu and Kashmir Chief Minister Mehbooba Mufti wrote a letter to the council asking it to send an independent team to verify the claims of trespasses against the journalists in Kashmir. In a letter, the council said it has taken suomoto cognizance of the issue and has formed a three-member committee to look into the allegations. The committee includes New Indian Express journalist Gurbir Singh, convener and group editor of Dainik Bhaskar Prakash Dube, and the editor of Jan Morcha, Dr. Suman Gupta. Mufti said in her letter that unwarranted harassment of journalists had become a norm in the Union territory, and this was being done by raiding their homes, summoning and interrogating them on frivolous grounds such as innocuous tweets, conducting background checks of journalists and their family members by CID, withdrawal of benefits including accommodation of some senior journalists, seizure of mobile phones, laptops, confiscating passports, ATM cards, etc. She listed instances where journalists were harassed at the hands of the Jammu and Kashmir authorities, also mentioning cases being filed against journalists under the stringent anti-terrorism law, the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act. The Press Council appealed to the Union Territories authorities to extend their full cooperation into the thorough probe, adding that it will speak to the concerned authorities and the affected journalists to gather information. Earlier this month, the Jammu and Kashmir police raided the residences of four journalists in connection with a case registered last year regarding a blog, which the police claimed circulated some propaganda material with the aim of disrupting peace and provoking common people for illegal activities. The Union Education Minister Dharmendra Pradhan announced yesterday that the national scheme for midday meals will now be called the Pradhan Mantri Potion Scheme. The new scheme, he said, will bring under its ambit around 24 lakh students studying in pre-primary classes or balvatikas in government and government-aided schools from next year. The Hindu reported that the National Education Policy 2020 had also recommended that midday meals be extended to pre-primary students. It had also suggested that breakfast be added as another meal in schools, but Pradhan said that the centre has not taken a decision on that yet. According to the Indian Express, under the current midday meal scheme, 
cooked meals are provided to class 1 to 8th grade students in government and government aided schools an estimated 11.80 crore students in 11.20 lakh schools fall under its ambit the education minister said yesterday that the rebranded scheme was approved by the cabinet committee on economic affairs headed by the prime minister adding that it will facilitate the enhancement of the nutrition levels of school children the cabinet committee on economic affairs said in a statement that the total budget of the scheme for a period of 5 years would be rupees 1.30 lakh crore of this the central government will spend rupees 54.06000 crore and the state and union territory governments would bear rupees 31.73000 crore the center will also be spending rupees 45000 crore on food grains the statement said that under the new scheme states will be asked to directly transfer cash to schools for the cost of cooking and also monthly honorariums directly to the bank accounts of cooks and helpers An honorarium is an ex gratia payment made to persons who are not obligated to perform a service. The rechristened scheme does not mention that the honorarium given to cooks would be increased, which is a long-standing demand by the cooks helping prepare midday meals. The education minister said and I quote, if states wish to give a top up, they can do so. Unquote. The Indian Express reported today that officials of the National Human Rights Commission said that the commission has sought a report from the district police of Uttar Pradesh's Eta over the alleged suicide of a minor boy after being sent to a jail as an adult on charges of drug possession. The human rights body has also asked its investigation unit to conduct an on-the-spot inquiry into the matter. The commission said in a statement that it has taken cognizance of a complaint which was accompanied by a newspaper clipping detailing the matter. that a 15 year old minor boy unable to bear the torture of being sent to a jail as an adult on charges of drug possession died by suicide when released on bail after 3 months in eta uttar pradesh on september 21 2021 the commission has directed the eta senior superintendent of police to assign a senior rank police officer to probe the allegations and submit a report to the commission in 4 weeks The commission statement said that the boy was allegedly arrested by the ETA police in connection with possession of drugs and sent to the district jail instead of being produced before a juvenile justice board. The report quotes the boy's father as reportedly saying that his son was illegally arrested and tortured to extort money by the police. Former French president Nicolas Sarkozy was sentenced to a year in prison by a court in Paris today for illegally funding a 2012 campaign for his re-election. The 66-year-old had served a 5-year presidential term from 2007. Sarkozy was found guilty of spending millions of euros more on his campaign than permitted under the country's law. The former president, however, will not be spending his sentence in prison. but was allowed by the court to serve it under house arrest by wearing an electronic ankle bracelet bbc reported that sarkozy has denied any wrongdoing in the matter and is likely to appeal the court's ruling this is the second one year prison term for sarkozy in march this year he became the first ex president of france to receive a custodial sentence he was found guilty of corruption and influence peddling he remains free however as an appeal of that sentence is still pending That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. 
catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.